who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hey, Madigan. Hi, Keegan. How are you doing? Um, I am okay. I am mostly very, 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 very add a thousand more varies after that excited because I finally get to see Hamilton tonight and I am disappointed that it is in the medium that it will be in and I was supposed to see it live in tonight. LA. I thought it was tonight. tomorrow. Well, it comes out at midnight. Oh, so, I see. you know, this girl, I'm going to, I believe the Starbucks around the corner closes at like eight. So I'm going to go down there at like eight o'clock and I'm going to get triple shot Americanos for Max and I, he's never seen it. Like he doesn't know anything of it. And I am, I, I've been singing and like rapping the songs all week, all around my house. I'm so excited. I'm going to cry the entire time. Um, and then I think I'm going to watch it again tomorrow with tea. <laughs> It's amazing. It's fully amazing. I have friends, you know, reaching out being like, let's do like digital watch parties and things like that. And while that is very exciting, part of me kind of just wants me and Anthony to just like watch it together because I don't want want any distractions. Exactly. I don't want anyone to mar his first experience with because, you know, Anthony's listened to the whole soundtrack. We've listened to the soundtrack together, like all that stuff. But I saw it live and he hasn't seen it yet. And I'm like, you have to pay attention, absorb it, enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, so I feel the same excited. way. And well, my boyfriend is not a fan of musicals at all. And so both of my bosses are musicians and uh, their son loves Hamilton along with me. So I was talking to the dad who's like, you know, into like jazz and rock and things like that. And he's like, I hate musicals. I hate them. I cried in Hamilton. I loved it. I loved every second of it. It was amazing. So I'm like, all right, that's a pretty big stamp of approval for someone like that. I can go back and say, trust me, you're going to enjoy this. <laughs> it's magical. Tonight. I'm just hoping. Yeah. and I'm, I know that they will. I know that they will because Hamilton was such a huge phenomenon and it has such a massive fan base. Wow. The way I said that was super weird, but fan um, base. 
they it has such a huge fan base that I'm sure that they're going to do a good job, but there's always something in me that's like, what if it's not as good because it's have you being ever, filmed? Have you ever heard of the Hamilcast, the podcast? Yes, but I've never listened to it. Okay, so it's I listen to it every once in a while. I haven't like really, really gotten into it, but it's the other co-host of True Crime Obsessed that I love and listen to every week. And she originally, I believe, started the Hamilcast. That's how she started her podcasting. But she interviews like Lynn Manuel Miranda and like current cast members and things like that. And so she got like a like a preview of it. She got to see it before everybody else and then interviewed Lin-Manuel Miranda about it. So I was watching some of that interview and she was saying very emphatically how much she, you know, as someone who's seen it live so many times because she lives like right around the corner that she was saying that it was just as good. So I'm hoping. Okay. okay. I mean, probably not just as good, but like I'm hoping that I can just imagine I'm in a theater well, and, like, and get my ways, head in that space, you know? In some ways, it may be even better because they're going to be able to do camera angles. They're going to be able to show you things that, depending on where you were sitting in the theater, you may not have been able to see. But there's so, nothing like live theater. It's true. Nothing. Okay. Right, well, should we get into the actual news besides just the things that are making me happy today? Yes, but you know what? I think stopping and taking a moment to allow ourselves a little bit of happiness, especially in these times, yeah, is really important. Do you see my eyes? Yes. I cried for four hours yesterday. <laughs> uh, man, relatable. Let me tell you, though, I deactivated my Facebook I'm on so Sunday, proud of you. And it has been lovely. I have to say, I highly recommend it. I feel great. <laughs> Keegan, what have I been telling you for like, what listeners, how long have I been telling Keegan to like, just get off Facebook for as much I, as she I can? Know. Listen, I know. And I will go back to Facebook at some point, but I am very happy that I took a nice good break. I'm going to continue break. that for probably another couple of weeks. Uh, not missing it that much. Yeah, you'll know when it's time to go back. Trust me. I've done. I haven't actually ever deactivated my Facebook, but I don't feel the need to check it as often. So it's fine for me, where I can just be like, okay, I'm not going to go on Facebook for a while, and then I don't feel the need to click it for a week or two. The and then I'll go thing, back. The only thing that I kind of not miss, but is helpful, especially for these episodes, is that news is presented to you all day on Facebook. Uh, and I would get a lot of ideas for things to talk about in this episode from yeah. that. Uh, not well, having luckily, Facebook, I have to go luckily, out of my way. <laughs> luckily, I've been dealing with insomnia. So I've been looking at the Apple News uh, app every night from about either 4 to 5 or 5 to 6, 6.30 every morning. So Wait. that's where <laughs> I've been getting all my stuff. <sighs> no bueno. I'm delirious. All, All right. right. So Should we're going to we? jump into some terrible shit. Brace yourself. It. Okay. Yes. So, so I believe, Keegan, you wanted to cover something this week that you wanted to talk about last week, correct? That's right. Yeah. So I wanted to bring up something last week because especially with the 4th of July coming up, um, Boo. <laughs> a lot of of things are being brought up uh, in social media circles, on the news and things like that. You know, we had a, a big kind of reckoning with race, with Black Lives Matter recently. And I just wanted to give a little bit of attention to some other groups that are still experiencing oppression in this country right now. Just kind of let them have a little bit of focus here. So, 
This story is a little bit old. It's three months old, but I thought it was important to talk about because there are still children being kept in cages at our border. Undocumented people coming over the border have been detained and separated from their families. And there was an evaluation of 26 people by Physicians for Human Rights, and they provided a look at the psychological impact of Trump's separation of families, of his administration's policy for separating migrant families uh, at the border. And they found that it actually does constitute torture. So, really? I mean, it's psychological torture. It, it is. Well, it really I mean, is. But and to me, that should have been. I mean, I understand like why they do the testing and the analyzing and everything to actually say that you know we have the evidence to call it this. But to me, it seems so obvious. To me, it just seems like a hostage situation. You know, to be pulling young children away from their families without any explanation and without care to me is obvious torture. Right. I mean, and the U.S. government continued this policy despite warnings from even people in the U.S., top medical officials here in the U.S., who cautioned against doing this for this very reason. So a senior medical advisor at PHR, uh, Dr. Renit Mishori, said, as a clinician, nobody was prepared for this to happen on our soil. It is beyond shocking that this could happen in the United States by Americans at the instruction and direct intention of the U.S. government. So legal experts have argued that family separation constituted torture, but this is the first time that a medical group has actually reached that determination. So uh, PHR had volunteer psychiatrists evaluate 17 adults and nine children who had been separated between 30 to 90 days. Most met the criteria for at least one mental health condition, including post-traumatic stress disorder, major depressive disorder, or generalized anxiety disorder consistent with and likely linked to the trauma of family separation. All but two of the adults evaluated by PHR said that they had received death threats in their home countries, and 14 out of 17 adults said that they were targeted by drug cartels. So it's kind of a cumulative effect, right? So in addition to the trauma of being separated whenever you left to come for a, for, like, for a better life, you were leaving trauma already. So you had right. already experienced trauma. Almost all of the children had been drugged, kidnapped, poisoned, or threatened by gangs before they left. So it's really that old saying that's like you only put your child in a boat, right, whenever the sea is safer than the land. So it's like you exactly. think anybody is trying to come to our country under these like dangerous conditions for fun? Like they're doing it because they're leaving something horrifying and they're coming yeah. here for sanctuary. And instead of receiving that, they're further traumatized by being separated and held in terrible conditions. And I think it's, you know, you, uh, when you were reading that quote, you mentioned whoever was speaking and I can't remember his name was saying something about 
you know, being ashamed of the American government for doing something like this, where we've seen the American government do this before. Like, we just talked about these Japanese internment camps that happened after World War II, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor just a few months ago. These are not things that are uncommon for the U.S. government. We have this idea in our head that the United States are the good guys, when actually there are a lot of things that the United States government is totally cool with that is actually very, very corrupt. And this is one of those things. So I think for people who are thinking that this is a new thing, need to kind of realize that this is something that has been used over and over and over again to try to rid a nation of a certain culture, race, Altogether, group you know? that they determined to be undesirable, and in that's some what way. they're and that's what they're doing, and that's why it's so important to educate yourself, not only just on World War II and what happened with the Jewish people, because I know that like everybody, I feel like even even the right wing people, you know, can agree that's a horrible story. But as soon as you start speaking about Japanese people or Hispanic people or black people, there is something that is so different in the American mind where they don't see it as being the same thing. It was the same thing as when the genocide in Darfur was happening when I was in high school and nobody really cared because it wasn't happening to somebody that looked like them. And that's what's frustrating. I've actually been listening to Tara Brock, who is a, um, Uh, She's like a meditation coach. I think she's also a psychologist of some kind, but she has a podcast. I highly recommend it. It's really helped me to like center myself. But she did an episode after the murder of George Floyd in which she was talking about dealing with racism in a conscious way. And she was talking about how, or it may not have been that episode, but she was talking about how members of the dominant culture, basically the dominant population, there have been lots of studies that prove that it is difficult for them to feel compassion. You have to actually seek feeling compassion uh, for other groups because it's not something that is in your everyday consciousness, right? Right. You don't have to tell black people or Latinx people about their trauma because it's something that they experience. It's innate. It's something that's in them. Well, and that was something, so I just finished uh, Sabrina Fulton and Tracy Martin's book, Rest in Power, The Trayvon Martin Story. And one thing that his mother, Sabrina, was talking a lot about is that she really believed so much in the jury because it was these six women. And she believed that she got through to them as a mother. There was something as a mother where she's like, they must understand. And it's true. There are people, like, I would say that with the racism in this country that most white people, their first instinct would not be to empathize with a person of color because they haven't been exposed to the same things. I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. It's just right. right. And also, as we've said many times, like our education system is set up to make us believe that America is good and Americans yeah. are the good guys. And well, so it's yeah, very and it's, at odds. And it's with, also with very, reality. right. And they also, our education system is built to other people as well. So while we are raised to believe that America, America is the best country in the world, we are also being raised with such prejudice against people who are different from us so that even when we read these stories in history and we feel sad and we empathize with these stories from what we feel were long, long ago and that were actually not that long ago at all, we are not able to then look at 
you know, for example, the Trayvon Martins, the George Floyds, the Breonna Taylors of the world, or the many, many children who are seeking refuge in the United States who are trapped in, you know, horrible conditions away from their families. Like, you can look at something historically and see that it was horrible. Why can't you see that now? Right. Well, yeah. And I think, again, I think a big part of the reason why not is because we are conditioned to think that America is always doing its best. Right. And like that was something that someone told me at work once, which was when I was like learning how to be a better manager. And it was don't always assume that everybody is doing their best. Right. Like press for answers because you can't always assume that everybody is doing their best. And I think having that mentality that America is doing the best it can, it sets you up to make excuses for things like this. You might be able to look at it and say, oh, well, that's sad or that's terrible, but I'm sure America has a good reason. They wouldn't be doing this if they didn't have a good reason. Um, Mm -hmm. But so uh, just to wrap it up here, um, people who experience trauma, especially children, have higher rates of medical conditions such as cancer and cardiovascular disease. This has also been um, proven with generational trauma in black communities as well. High blood pressure. Um, Yeah, and they have an increased risk of psychiatric disorders and detrimental coping behaviors such as alcohol and drug abuse. Uh, And that doctor, Mishori, says... Something like that does not resolve once you're reunited with your parents. It's something you carry with you possibly forever. So even when these children are reunited with their parents, if they're reunited because there wasn't really a system in place to reunite families um, to, to keep track of where these children went and how to reunite them, if they are reunited with their parents, that trauma doesn't disappear it stays with them possibly forever. Well, yeah, it's just like any other experience. We talk so much about sexual assault and things like that. And it doesn't just go away just because the person who is abusing you goes away or just because you've gotten older and years have passed. There are things that that's what post-traumatic stress disorder is. And it is so hard to get over But there can be triggers years, years later that will occur to you that you won't even know existed and you still will have to work through it. And that's why this should have never happened in the first place. And I hope, 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 hope that when these people are finally welcomed into our country, that we are able to welcome them with open arms, do what we can to help them find their families help them like give them a place to live i don't know it's just and genuinely apologize for anything this situation because this never should have happened yeah and it's truly devastating and i know that there have been things circulating on instagram uh at some point maybe we can do an episode about it or an extended mini episode about it where they kind of show all of the children who have died in custody on the border and you know, it's a say their names situation. We need I to recognize that there's a human face behind this. Like they, these victims are people. Yeah. I think that's a really good idea. I think that's a really, really good idea. And I think that, you know, as I was speaking and not able to come up with any sort of solutions as I was being angry, I think that's a pretty good sign that I should probably look into what some solutions could be. I don't know. I'm going to start Googling the Red Cross or UNICEF or something because there's got to be somebody out there that's trying to figure something out that I need to know about. So thank you, Keegan, for bringing that up and bringing that to our attention. I think that's a great idea for a full-length episode. We definitely need to do that. Totally. 
Okay. So I want to bring up yet another two deaths of black transgender women in the United States. Uh, One of them was in Dallas, Texas, and I talked about the murder of Malaysia Booker last year in April in one of our mini episodes. I couldn't find the exact one. Google really let me down and there was no way I was going through the descriptions of every mini episode we've done. So... More trans people have been murdered in Texas than any other state. And in the last five years, nearly half of those numbers were in Dallas. Now, Mercy Mack was murdered this week. She was a 22-year-old black trans woman. And she was, again, adding to that number in Dallas, which I have to say, Texas, Dallas, what the fuck? What I was Holy speaking yikes. Of, yeah. Yeah, like what I was speaking about last year was the same thing. It's they were interviewing the trans community in the area and they were just saying it's like we are aware that by living here that we must live in protection and fear every single day. Uh, Somebody in another article that I was reading today said, it just feels like we are out here as open targets because it's just happening at an absurd rate. Another trend that we often see when a trans person is murdered is something that we spoke about in depth recently in our uh, Black Trans Lives Matter episode that we did a couple weeks ago. Uh, An thing that often happened is that they are dead named uh, to the police and to the public. And the reason that that is really dangerous is because it is harder for the HRC and GLAD and the Trevor Project and other communities to keep track of the trans community when these deaths are not being labeled correctly. Uh, It's it's also incredibly disrespectful just in general yeah so glad president kate ellis said using the birth name implies that the trans person's actual lived identity is somehow not real and that's true and that was something that i had never heard of a dead name until after i covered sylvia rivera last year two years ago i don't remember when i covered sylvia rivera two years ago yeah yeah but we had a lovely listener call in to us and uh let me know what a dead name is because i mentioned the name that sylvia was born with and Uh, Now that I have more information and understand how uh, dangerous it is and how disrespectful it is, um, it needs to be known by law enforcement to make sure that they are, you know, gendering their victims correctly. Well, yes, it's important also because, like you said, for us to have accurate numbers of violence against a marginalized group, it needs to be reported that way. Or else people are not going to be aware to them because of the way that they have reported on it, because of the name that they have used. Uh, It's the same thing when we talked about Marsha P. Johnson. They said this is just the, you know, death of another gay black man. Exactly. And so whenever you are reporting on it as the death of a gay black man, it does not it doesn't accurately accurately represent the violence against the trans community. Exactly. Which is really important that we have accuracy in those numbers. Because it is. they're astronomically high. I was just gonna say the reason it's so important is because they're so high. Uh, Mercy Mack is the 18th trans person this year to die, which is absolutely like, I don't know. I'm sure everybody is like this. Like time doesn't make sense to me in my head. So 2020 still feels so new, which I guess we are halfway through it now. But 
even halfway through 18. Like 18 uh, that we know of. Again, 18 that we know we of. Because we don't again. have accurate numbers. Well, and it, I believe we, we are up to 19 because Keegan and I were discussing um, another woman who was unfortunately murdered in Arkansas. It was a 17-year-old transgender black woman by the name of Brayla Stone. Uh, she was the fourth trans woman to be killed this month, said David second Jones. Second in one week. Second in one week, fourth this month, uh, said David Jones, executive director of the National Black Justice Coalition. Uh, he said in a statement, Brayla Stone was 17 years young when someone murdered her because we live in a society where it is not yet explicit that when we say black lives matter, we mean all black lives, which includes black trans women and girls. And that's something that I think is really important, especially now that Pride Month is over and you may not be seeing pride everywhere I think it's really important that as these cases keep coming up for us to be putting them in the spotlight and making sure that people are remembering these names as well yeah absolutely it's absolutely devastating before we go I want to give everybody a quick COVID update pretend I'm your mom and I'm here to give you all a lecture I don't care if you've been social distancing and wearing your masks the whole time that means this lecture is not geared toward you everybody else listen up nanny mode on okay the number of confirmed coronavirus cases per day in the United States has reached 50,000 on Thursday. That is today that we are recording. Tomorrow it'll be Friday and it's probably going to be thousands more. Uh, the infection curve has risen in 40 out of 50 states. Luckily, Texas Governor Greg Abbott ordered the wearing of masks across most of the state. I believe I read somewhere and didn't write it down that it was like if there are more than 20 cases of the coronavirus in your county, you must wear a mask whenever you leave your house. Uh, the outbreaks are also severe in Arizona, Texas, and Florida. In the past two weeks, the percent of positive tests doubled in Georgia, Kansas, Montana, Michigan, Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi, South Carolina, and Ohio. Nevada has tripled, and Idaho is five times higher. Right, and here in Los Angeles... Our cases have gone up and up and up, and we've actually moved back a phase. Mm -hmm. So we had begun opening things up. Uh, our governor had allowed bars to open. Some dine-in was being allowed in certain restaurants. All of that has now been restricted. Restaurants are back to carry out only, take out only. Bars are closed again. So unfortunately, I mean, we're in a position where this is going to drag out and on so much longer and because I know people are going to say it I know people are going to say it um, there have been multiple reports that have come out and said that the protests are not what has caused the spike yep. now of course anytime you have that many people together there's a possibility for transmission but in general the fact that most of these protests took place outside with masks on uh, they did not lead to the spike in numbers that we are seeing exactly. what we're seeing is people who decided the second they were allowed to by the state that they were going to go sit right next to other people in a crowded bar or restaurant without their masks on. All these people who are refusing to wear their masks because they think it infringes on their rights or yes. something. So let me get into the main part of my lecture here, Keegan. Thank you for so beautifully segueing me into mask wearing. I am telling you, if there is even the slightest chance that you are to get within six feet of someone, wear 
a goddamn mask. Do not wear a chin strap. Do not wear it over your mouth. Wear it completely over your nose. Wear it over your chin. I know it sucks. I wear glasses. They fog up. I get, it gets sweaty in there. It feels like a sauna. I'm breaking out. I get it. I don't care. As long as I can in some way protect other people, that is the least right. that it I is can about- do other human beings and people have been downright nasty my friend christina who if anybody listens to my worst date she is my co-host on that show um she works for a restaurant that recently made i heard about news. it they've been oh, yeah. on cnn they've been on the today show they've been on good morning america etc cetera, etc cetera, because they there is a main restaurant and then there are taco stands basically like restaurants and they decided you know what I remember her I talking to her last week when we recorded and her saying I think we're gonna have to close down our taco stand locations because of the way that people are treating the employees who are telling them they have to wear masks now oh, it's disgusting peop- it's disgusting so uh, the employees are telling them hey for our safety and the safety of the other customers if you're coming up here to pick up tacos you need to have a mask on people are so resistant to this that they've thrown things they have spit on employees they have called them every name under the book they have cussed them out and these people <laughs> they're making what minimum wage they're they just don't trying to, to give be treated you your like that tacos and they are being told by the government who's telling their bosses that they have to wear masks my friend owns a guitar center and he said that if there's any employee that is in their scene without a mask it is a no questions asked automatic fire Right. I mean, and it's just, again, it's common courtesy to the people who we have such a lack of respect for service workers. And we need these people, clearly. Like, if this pandemic has shown us anything, it's that we need these people. These people that you make fun of for having service level jobs or whatever, we need them. We are asking them to do something for us. We're asking them every day to put themselves at risk of getting sick just so they can give us our tacos because we want the snack we've been craving for the last three weeks. Exactly. or, Or three months. And then we're going to treat them like garbage because wearing a mask infringes on my rights. Oh, it's and it ridiculous. is ridiculous. It's crazy to me how much it's happening in our area, too, because there was a woman in North Hollywood that went viral, too, from Trader Joe's. And I'm like, yes, what is going on in the valley? Like, I thought we were supposed to be the progressive bubble. <laughs> yeah, What's coming I mean, on. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to us ramble on again in another mini episode. If you have thoughts on today's episode, if you have things that you would like us to cover next week or anything, please feel free to message us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also direct message us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist. You can follow us there. We have a Twitter at Yamp Podcast. Y A N F podcast we have a facebook business and group page you can go ahead and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page you can also rate and review us on apple Podcasts, and we will post i can't speak today hmm. you can also review us on apple po- podcasts you can also review us on apple podcasts where we will post you for i can't speak post you for reviews day would Tuesday? you like me to do it please <laughs> You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts where we will post your reviews on our Instagram page for Reviews Day Tuesday. 
Thank you so much, Keegan. And if you don't no already, please go listen to us on Radio Public. It is a free way for you to listen. And it helps us out just a little bit. I'm going to go take a nap. Okie dokie. With all of that being said, we encourage you to, to read on. on. Bye. Hey, Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah. I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? <laughs> Your search is at an end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.